0: Here we go. What's going on, what's going on? Doing something a little different, a little new. Told y'all was gonna get the video part of this podcast going, so here we are. Let me just get a few things adjusted here sure the lighting is okay you see I got to start putting a little studio together thank you everybody for joining in we are live it's six Pacific time nine eastern show for you today, a real special guest, we're gonna get into it man, we don't pull no punches right, you see I got the Muhammad Ali shirt on today because we in with the Muhammad Ali on Twitter, he be knocking them out, everybody, <laughs> everybody gets knocked out when they come in, when they step into the school TV realm, but we on the live, we live here, YouTube, Twitter live, live stream, the No Spoon Podcast, my name is Chey, I'm your host. This is No Spoon Podcast. We got comments? You can put your comments in if you on YouTube listening or watching, should I say? I'm so used to the to the no no video, so I got to be mindful of that now. I'm going to put the but if you if you used to the video to the audio, you're going to be able to hear that cuz I'm going to put this the audio version on all the uh, All the platforms. I said I'm just getting it together here, working it out. How's that sound? Okay, a little music, you see? See we getting it together. Just like that. no spoon podcast live if you guys haven't subscribed to the channel go ahead and do that right now subscribe because we're gonna bring more content more videos more everything that you want to hear that they're not talking about on this mainstream media you know where the propaganda at this this independent media we don't have no masters around here so we do what we want and that we means we're free to tell the truth you already know get into it let's make it happen my name is che this is the no spoon podcast thank you everybody for for joining us on this live episode Um, those of you that are listening on apple and spotify all them other places that we're going to put this up afterwards you're also going to be able to see this on youtube afterwards as well but um i appreciate everybody for joining in we got a real special guest in here today we got a good show for you we're going to really get into it Uh, First and foremost, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, go ahead and do so right now. That way you can get more content. Like I said, we're going to come with it, bringing all the all the heat. We're dropping all the heat on here on the No Spoon podcast. Um, Thank you, guys. First and foremost, thank you, everybody, for for tuning in and everybody that's going to be watching the replay. I appreciate it. Um, We can't do this without you. You know, the, the viewers, the subscribers, everybody that likes likes the video comments shares whatever even if it's a negative comment i don't really care about none of that that's it that helps that helps what we're trying to do anyways right it drives the algorithm so you go ahead and hate that's cool i'm not tripping but like i said before you can you can hate me you might not like my hat you might not like my shirt but tell me where i'm lying that's all i gotta say tell me where i'm lying because that's what y'all you're gonna hear on the mainstream media but my name is che and this is the no spoon podcast first and foremost i want to talk a little bit t- today um i got my special guest coming on here in a couple minutes but before i do that let me just talk about a couple things and then we'll get get into it because he's got a lot of things to talk about and he's been and he like i, I said it earlier when in the intro the muhammad ali of twitter because you don't pull no punches right and that's the whole thing you'll be able to tell the truth and expose people for who they really are not who they try to pretend to be right there's one thing that, that that came across that we were talking about this week, and it's, it, it has to do with culture. You know, Andrew Breitbart, who was the right wing pundit, the late right wing pundit, he said that politics was downstream of culture. And what that means is that politics kind of emanates from culture. Culture shapes politics. So a lot of times when we're talking about politics and political parties and whatnot, they are shaped by the culture. and And some people in the political spectrum understand this and some don't. And here's the thing. One thing you see right now that's going on in, in, in politics and in the world, people are, culture is very influential, right? And there has never been a more influential force culturally than hip hop. That's my opinion. We can debate that. But if you look at it the way that it is, hip hop is so influential. And so politicians understand this. And so politicians gravitate to the areas that where hip hop is the most dominant. And so when we talk about, like, the inner cities and stuff like that, and you talk about um, people on the right, and it's interesting that Andrew Breitbart said that because he's a right-wing pundit, but yet the people on the right don't listen to none of that, right? So if, if your conservative values or your conservative train of thought or that way of thinking with smaller government and independent self-sufficiency and all that type of stuff that they claim to be wanting everybody to have, right, if that's not getting through, that's because they don't go to where the cultural epicenter is. And I say this all the time and people don't get mad at me. And we had this this week I had a. uh, Some some independent rapper who was upset at some of the things that I said that I said, the hood don't listen, listen to you. And that's true. You can say what you want to say, but the influential people are the mainstream artists, the YGs, the Jay-Zs, the Lil' Babies. And there's reason why like a politician like Stacey Abrams, all she has to do is take a photo op with Lil' Baby. And all the people who don't care about politics, they don't. They just care about what their favorite celebrity has to say or their favorite rapper has to say. And they say, well, I seen Lil' Baby with Stacey Abrams, so that's who we vote. And you keep voting for these people that don't care about you. But yet the other side, they don't offer any solutions, right? So that you can always say, at the Republican Party, they're, they're the party of the racists. They're the party of the white supremacists and this and that. But you can always say that that's true because they're not in the areas that they should be to get th- that type of support. They don't. They don't do any outreach over there. They don't campaign over there. And anytime somebody tries to step up and do campaign in those areas, they knock them down themselves because they're all about money. At the end of the day, it's about where the campaign donors spend their money. And if you've got a campaign donor that says, I'm going to spend $500,000 in the inner cities, they're thinking, don't do it there. When we got swing districts in the rural areas and what they call the more white areas, right? Spend your money there. That's just another example for, to give them to say, <clears throat> excuse me, give them to say that they're racist. So when we talk about culture, one side Only one side understands this and they play the game perfectly well. They really do. That's why they nuzzle up to the Jay Z's and the Beyoncé's because they know that most people don't know anything about politics. They don't care about politics. They're not involved when it comes to politics. And so they just do whatever their favorite rapper does. And so at the end of the day, when it comes to the real influence, It's really these big record companies. It's really these major, major players at the top that understand that if we can gravitate or we can get the inner cities to really care about what we're talking about and really and really understand and get and get them on our side. Then we have the people, we have the masses, and that's what they do. So there's nobody that understands how all this stuff works. Like my next guest, um, I'm about to bring him in right now. He is. I gotta, you know, he, he's a boxing guy, so I gotta give him the Apollo Creed, <laughs> the master of disaster. Uh uh, and I forget. Remember they remember on, on Rocky Four, they gave him a whole a whole big intro, right? This is the man, the, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, the Muhammad Ali of Twitter. He's got more KOs on Twitter than Mike Tyson had in his whole career. Let me let me bring in my guest, the the founder of Schoon TV Network, Curtis Schoon
1: hey what's happening Che? hello everyone i'm
0: trying to give I, you the intro man you know <laughs> look,
1: you have me cracking up back here man yeah. well what's the deal brother what what we got going on today
0: oh man you know we just talking about uh just talk you know talking about what we talk about what we talk about all the time you know what i'm yeah. saying so and we here but man uh you know, it's good to have you. I appreciate you for, for stepping on and, and and making this live appearance. And I, I don't see too you doing too many of those, so I kind of nah, feel nah.
1: yeah,
0: I'm humbled. I'm humble for know, real. I,
1: you call on <laughs> my answer. I told you that, you know. Um, there's something you said, you you quoted Andrew Breitbart and mm-hmm. he said, um, politics is downstream from culture. Right. Um, it made me think of something that I said when I when I got um interviewed one time by Mario Lopez and I said that uh you know there's no political solutions for cultural deficiencies and I think you know it, it, it's not the, it's, it's not what Andrew Bright, Breitbart said but it it compares the two things and the, the way I see them you know um I think especially in the black community and maybe the American community, at large, that we've kind of looked to politics as the end-all be-all, and and really, politics cannot replace what should have been instilled in the home, in the culture, Mm -hmm. in the community. You know, I I think that's why I said there's no political solutions to cultural deficiencies. And I know we're going to be talking about rap. I think rap is pop culture. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who like to say that rap is black culture, but I I kind of see it, you know, you, you, may, you maybe could have made that argument in the 1970s. And even then it was a subset of black culture because it primarily existed in the New York City area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even call it black culture then, but I think um. Rap is for the most part, man, it is a business. And you cannot call something your culture if you don't control it. And no one black controls rap. You know, there's black labels, but there's no black distribution. There's Mm -hmm. no black marketing companies to market these these artists to get them on Good Morning America and all these other popping shows and platforms that make you a star because essentially, they can make whoever they want a star. There's a reason why Lil Nas X is all over the place. It's not because mm-hmm. of his 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 hot bars that he spit. You know what I mean? Like it's they can they have it's a there's a machine, and that machine is not black. It is not controlled by blacks. It may be a machine that will use blacks to cover the fact that. You know what they're doing is commercializing dysfunction and degeneracy. And we have ample black people in the business willing to say this is black culture to provide cover and get compensated for it.
0: Yeah, you know what? I I completely agree with you, and I and and I believe I wrote an article for which who I write for Schoon TV, which if you haven't subscribed to Schoon TV, go ahead and do that. Immediately after you get off this this episode, because you are gonna find all the independent stuff right there, the stuff that's not controlled by who we're talking about right now. But um, when I look at hip hop, right. Hip hop is the only genre where the criminal element is not only not only allowed, but it's celebrated. The more criminal you are, the more clout you have. Right. And so and a lot of it goes ties back to what I call what is gang culture. Right. This is the only really industry where being a gang member is actually OK. It's it's not not only is it OK, but it actually gives you a higher status. And so when 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 I look at when I look at it, I don't really look at hip hop as being at any particular race. I look at it being more of it's a reflection of gang culture. And I think we said this uh, um I don't know if it was you and I was talking or I was talking to somebody, but I was saying, you know, the, the, the rappers, I mean, the gang members want to be around the rappers for the opportunities that they provide. You're not going to get the opportunities that, you know, if you have a rapper in your neighborhood, like a Nipsey Hussle, right? Nipsey Hussle provided uh, women uh, touring cars, the things that these guys never had access to, but yet a rapper, he needs the gang members for the validation. Because it makes it real. And that's what we always talk about. You hear in hip hop. Are you real? Are you real? Is he a real one? Is he really is he really about that life that. And so what it really reflects is gang culture. And and, and a lot of people get it confused. Like you said, it makes it a race thing, but it's really not. And when you look at gang culture and especially me being here from L.A., if you look at like an area of South Central L.A., you have a mixture mainly of black gangs and Hispanic gangs. They all have the same type of mentality. And even now to the point where the culture is being changed, the Hispanic gangs are now acting more and more. They're using the N-word. They're sagging their pants. They're doing things that they all look the same. So it's not necessarily a race. I don't I don't look at it as a race thing. I look at more of, of it's, it's a gang culture than anything else.
1: Yeah, well, you know, recently Busta Rhymes set off a firestorm. Oh, yeah. Because he said... <laughs> He said, you know, um blacks and Puerto Ricans created rap. And of course, um Tariq Nasheed, who I believe is from LA, yeah, um, I believe so, yeah. He and his his people took issue with that. You know, rap has been around again, we gotta go back to the 70s, right? And I understand what Buster was saying, because what he was given is a New York perspective of something that started in New York. You know, in the Bronx, and believe it or not, in New York there's debate about whether rap started in the Bronx or in Brooklyn. Like people just find all kinds of reasons oh, yeah, to pick yeah. <laughs> with, with each other. You know, uh, uh, my boy John Lil from Houdini, he swears Grandmaster Flowers in Brooklyn was there before Grandmaster Flowers. I don't know, man. All I know is New York yeah. is a melting pot. And, and most people don't even realize uh, that Grandmaster Flash, Africa Bambada, and Cool Herc, who are like three of the originators, they're all West Indian. So, and that was a big deal with Tariq Nasheed and them because they they on this FBA foundational Black, uh, I don't know what the A American, mm-hmm. and um, and they didn't understand that when you come from New York and Buster, who is of Jamaican ancestry, by the way. He just spoke the the truth, as as he saw it unfold. And the Bronx is where all the Puerto Ricans were in the '70s, so you can't tell me they didn't have some kind of contributive influence. But when it comes to art, right? How do you create art? Like, who created graffiti? Who yeah. created drums? Who created? You <laughs> you know how do, how how do you how do you break that down like that? You know, it's like I try to I try to educate people because of, at my age, I was I was very, you know, I was about, I was born in 64.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I was a, a preteen when rap started. I remember when we could only hear it on cassette tapes. And I remember when it was about the DJ, not the rapper. See, people don't notice, you know, it was about the cutting and the scratching and the rhymes were kind of like intermission it wasn't, it wasn't about representing the streets or trying to be tough or any of that. It was like giving the DJ a break because people came out there to see the DJ and he, he manually manipulated the music, the break beat part, the breakdown of the music where he would manually loop it and scratch and maybe even turn the turntables into an instrument of its own. So there was some, it was like, to me it was like a style of music and partying that Not so much a culture, you know what I mean? But, but anyway, it wasn't until like 1982 when Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five did a song called The Message.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's when hip-hop started taking on a, a different personality because, of course, it started expanding into topics because you just couldn't keep rhyming and talking about the same things. Believe it or not, the early rappers... Their rhymes was, and I and I, I tell you no lie. Jack and Jill went up the hill to have a little fun. Stupid Jill forgot the pill, and now they have a son. This this was rhymes. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: You know uh, what I mean? Like, like, so so when people start, to, I notice when everybody talks about rap, it usually begins with their introduction to rap. See, and, and I, I kind of like, it's important to understand that. The, the trunk of the tree is in New York, but then it took different branches, mm-hmm. and different. And the South rap became one thing, you know. In Miami, they had the stripper, you know, Luke yeah, and Uncle Luke. yeah, yeah, Uncle Luke, and, and every place kind of put their own touches on it, and 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 and, and, and customized it. So essentially, what Buster said was not incorrect. And I think uh, the people who got mad at him it's just that their understanding began with their introduction whenever that happened. But again, and I found it kind of um, capitalistic that Fat Joe is going to host the BET Hip Hop. Awards this year because he's Puerto Rican, so it looks like they're they're capitalizing on this controversy that was growing online. Of course, yeah, you are, and I don't have a problem with Fat Joe hosting it. I don't think it's that serious because to me, I I look at it like Leo Cohen, Jimmy Mm -hmm. Iovine, um, Elliot Grange, Lucian Grange, Todd Moskowitz. I like these are their actual names. These are the people who really run rap. They dictate what the artists do. Um, it was Leo Cohen who put Young Thug in a dress. Young Thug didn't become a rapper wearing a dress. Yeah. But for that money, these these young men, they will wear a dress figuratively and literally. And it's it's and that's that's another reason why I got a problem with people calling rap black culture because I'm watching it as an elder and, and seeing what it represents. It, 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 promotes a, it promotes a culture, if you will, of man get paid by any means necessary. Man. And, when, and when I was coming up, we were taught that all money ain't good money. But that's nobody says that anymore. It's yeah, like <laughs> you know you're looking
0: it's just money, that's it. That's all it's they look at. It's just
1: money, and nobody cares. So if you want to do what you want to do to get money, by all means, man, if you could live with yourself, but don't put that on me. Because when yeah. you say it's black culture, then then you, you're attributing that to me as well. And that is not my culture. If y'all want to go out there and put put on knee pads and skirts and twerk, <laughs> and do whatever the hell y'all going to do for money. Look, man, if that's how your mama raised you, man, so be it. But I wasn't raised like that, and you're not going to call that black culture. And, I, and by the way, they're not the first ones to do this. Mm-hmm. Because I remember in the 80s, uh, Luke, when he was going by the name Luke Skywalker, before I think George Lucas and Spielberg and them made him them drop the, the Skywalker, because of the Star Wars. um, Right, right. Brad, he defended what he was doing by calling it black culture. And it's crazy how all of us, when we think that what's going on in our little, you know, four mile, one mile radius is representative of the whole community. You know, when I was was a young dude in the 80s, young guys did not go to strip clubs. That was considered like folk. Older men, you know, the old men, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a popping spot for dudes 21 years old, you know. But apparently in Miami, I don't know, I wasn't there in the 80s. Maybe it was different down there, so we gotta be we gotta be mindful of taking what's happening in our little locale and making it representative of a whole community. You know what I mean? When you start speaking yeah, for everybody, room. you're gonna get called out on it. And they need to get called out on it because a lot of stuff that flies in one place don't fly somewhere else.
0: I mean, that that that's that's real in what you're saying. And I want to play a clip from your from your uh the podcast that you do on Schoon's World. Um, because you were speaking on this, and so everybody, so just so they also they can see that what you're doing on Schoon TV, go over there as soon as you can, schoontv.com and subscribe. But uh, here's a clip right here that you kind of touched on that. and I'm I'm going to play that and then we'll talk about it.
1: These companies don't sell music. They sell lifestyle. They commercialize and monetize dysfunction and depravity and, 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 and market it as black culture. These people like Young Thug and all the other ones, what they're doing, and I'm not making excuses for them, fuck them. But what they're doing is proving their authenticity so they can sell their music. Because the music, it isn't effective unless people think this is what you're really doing. So when you look at it, <clears throat> the coins of the world, they are sponsoring and promoting criminality. This is how they make their money. See, none of them can afford to show up in Atlanta to defend the indefensible. It wouldn't look right because then it would open people's eyes. People are thinking that, you know, all of these people are independent. and bullshit. There's a-
0: and here, and, here we're, and we're talking about these labels and how these yeah. labels, they put, they put, they're the ones that put this stuff out here. And like you said, they try to, and they're the ones that are labeling it a certain culture. When, when, when Luke, you know, Luke says that it's black culture to me. I, what I hear him saying is he's hiding behind that because then yes, if you, if you they if, all do because if you criticize it then you're racist yeah because you
1: know and, if you and, don't and,
0: let him do it and sell his records off of it then you're a racist
1: and, and they provide cover to these people like Leo Cohen and and Elliot Grange and them because of their eagerness you know and I, I don't have an issue with Luke I'm not I'm not here to start whatever whatever but I just wanted to show that. You know, it's not just the young boys and it's not something mm-hmm. recent. It is a it's a it's a time tested tactic that, you know, if, if you want to hide some nonsense, you just call it black culture. And it makes it where nobody can can can, can you know, criticize it. But it's not black culture, though. These people, they're opportunists, uh, capitalists, whatever you want to call them. And um, they're making their money. And it's not benefiting anyone but themselves. And, and the tragedy in all of this is that Leo Cohen, who runs YouTube mm-hmm. and made a fortune at Dev Jam, damn near took Russell's company from him through some financing arrangements that I'm not even going to get into. But he doesn't need security when he travels. <laughs> Jimmy Ivey don't need security. And Jimmy Ivy no need to check in with nobody in Los Angeles or anywhere he goes. They got all the money. And nobody shames them, exposes them where they get where they get the money from. And what I was talking about in that clip specifically is that Kevin Lyles, who is uh-huh. uh, he's been, been Leo's house Negro for like 30 years up at Def Jam. You know, he came out of Baltimore. He was a member of a, a crew called Teddy in the Basement Boys. But his most notable accomplishment is he wrote that hit record, Girl You Know It's True, for Millie Vanilli. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he made a lot of money off of that song, off of the, those lyrics and everything. But So he was working up at Def Jam. I met him up there because I'm from Hollis. That's where right. Russell Simmons is from. That's where I run DMC. And all of us from Hollis used to go up there. I Like I would imagine a lot of people in Compton would go up to death row records all the
2: time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I, it's pretty much like the same scenario. So a- anyway, I met Lyles. And um, Leo Leo took him under the wing because one thing about white white execs or white people who make their money in black spaces is that they always need a black cover wingman. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. Lee Kevin was that guy for Leo. And I don't have a problem with that. But now that they signed Young Thug to this 300 Entertainment, which, by the way, is the 360 deal. And the 360 deal it gives the, the record companies Access to all of your earnings, whether you're acting, whether you're touring, endorsement deals. Right, yeah. It didn't used to be like that. And, <laughs> and, and, and oddly enough, people don't even understand that that concept actually existed in the WWE with Vince McMahon. He was getting money from uh The Rock and his acting roles and all of that. So they, they took the blueprint from wrestling, which they might as well because there ain't a much ain't a whole lot of difference between. Rap, and um, and the WWE over there, and they don't care to make the stunts fake. The stunts can be real, and if they die, they die. You know what I mean? And, <laughs>
0: For real, now exactly, yeah. They make more money,
1: <laughs> and they make more money. You know what I mean? So, so, but but they sent Kevin Lyles down to Atlanta to try to um, fight against the the prosecutor using the lyrics in the songs. Against them. <laughs> I, I think that that's in their own self-interest because the truth of the matter is they don't need the lyrics to convict Young Thug. They have enough people in his camp. I think there's 28 people indicted, mm-hmm. incarcerated, and, and, and at least two of them have been working with the police since 2016. So the lyrics aren't gonna make or break this case, right? Well what, right, what that right. what that move is about is to prevent liability down the yeah, road where yeah. they can't change their they don't have to change their business model cuz that's how they make their money they mm-hmm. don't sell music they sell a criminal lifestyle Definitely. and i reached yeah. i reached out to the um the, the 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 prosecutor and um on social media and i was i was suggesting to her that if she really wants to make a difference, she needs to find a way to at least charge the, the executives of, of um, 300 Entertainment, who are Leo Cohen, Roger Gold, Todd Moskowitz, and Kevin Lyles. So you got these three Jewish guys and the black guy, and he's supposedly the CEO. Now, if you believe that Kevin Lyles <laughs> is the CEO I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. You know what I mean. But this right, is the right. game they play, man. You know, and there's always somebody black willing to jump in there and say, "This is my company." Like hell it is. You know what I mean. Todd Moskowitz was just sold his, his company, his record company, for two hundred million about four or five months ago. Nobody's heard anything about it. He raped the Houston scene. He is actually who Leo groomed as his protege. And, and Leon knew Kevin Lyles first, but why mm-hmm. do you think he groomed Todd Moskowitz and not Kevin Lyles? You understand what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Look, man, and and it, it I'm not. Kinda, yeah. Look, listen, man, <laughs> I, I, I could go on and on with these people, man. And my thing is look, if you want to be a boot licking house Negro, man, that's on you. But when you start. Calling what you're doing black culture, or you're profiting from from perpetuating self-destruction in the black community, then I gotta say something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a I have a moral obligation and duty to say something. I'm not trying to, you know, mess up anybody's paper, but you need to get your paper in a way where it doesn't affect people who are innocent and not trying to partake in this. And these young kids, man, they get these, yo, you, you know, there's a thing that I say, right? If you reward a thing, you perpetuate it. So when you look at the imagery mm-hmm. in pop culture, specifically what they call rap nowadays, right, what are they rewarding? You're going to have your dreads, you're going to have your face tats. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have, they're showing people who May have very limited options in life. That if you want to make it out of the gutter, this is how you do it. And you put on this, this dress if we tell you to, and so on and so forth. You know, and um, and I believe these things are some sort of signal. Mm-hmm. They wanted them to put on the dress for a reason because it's sending a signal to certain people. You know, it's almost like a metaphor, like when Dave Chappelle said the reason why he walked away from Comedy Central because they wanted him to wear a dress. A All lot right. of people took that literally like they wanted him to wear a dress. Dave Chappelle then they wore a dress in Robin Hood men in tights. So actually wearing a dress was not what he was talking about. He mm-hmm. was talking about something else. You know what I mean? And I think they try to get these people to signal And again. Whatever, man, I'm not I'm not the morals police and anything, but whatever you want to do, that's your thing. But if you're trying to say that that is my thing, I'm going to I'm gonna let it be known. No, that's your thing, dude. That ain't got nothing to do with me at all.
0: But don't you see it as as a as a bigger agenda? You know what I mean? When I look when I look at all this and I see co- and just like we just we, we started this whole show with. Uh, politics is downstream from culture Mm -hmm. and that we know that politics really means power this is what people are getting at when they want political you want political power; it's it's you you're a gatekeeper to a lot of different things and if you can control culture then you control the political positions and stuff like that so when you're when you're talking about like you just you just mentioned about the using the lyrics right and they don't want to be liable but it's also about we want to have control of the culture because if we can control the culture, then we can control how you think. And if we can control how you think, then you, it drives it back into the people that gives us power. So when we look at like the Leor and we look at, at at I don't see nothing no different between the Leor Cohen and um, a Kamala Harris. They're all they're all to me connected because they all have an agenda, and that agenda is to keep certain people at a certain level, and that so it keeps. Themselves in positions of power, Leor Cohen is not going to give up his, his his status. He's not going to be looked at as a thug. He's not like you said. He doesn't have to go anywhere with security or anything like that because that's not the life that he lives. But he profits off people that do live that life. And so when when I look at this stuff, man, I I and and I think I told you this story before, but what really kind of hit me is I have a, a a friend who's who's doing life in prison, and he was telling me, and we were talking one day. And uh, because he calls me all the time, and he was saying, "Man, uh, I was—I I think this is around the time that Nipsey Hussle had passed away." And I asked if he had listened to him, and he said, "Look, man, I'm not listening to none of that stuff because that's the life. He's—he's he's glorifying the lifestyle that I gave up my kids for, that my kids grew up without a father. Because the reality is, the average gang member doesn't live the lifestyle of Nipsey Hussle or Snoop Dogg. They don't. The average gang member lives the li- lifestyle of." being in prison, constantly in and out, getting shot, getting stabbed, and ultimately dead. And this is the reality. But these people, they profit off that. When we talk about systemic issues, because there's always that talk of systemic systemic racism or systemic oppression, we never actually point out what that system is. You see what I'm saying? So we never say, then what is the system? And when I look at hip hop, hip hop has always capped people off at a certain level. And they've said that you have to be a certain way, and you have to fill this box. And this box is like you just said, and it's visually as well, physically, the dreads, the face tattoos and all these different things. And I never understood when I would see rappers like I think recently, the most recent rapper Mozzie went in for for a gun charge and Lil Wayne did a year for a gun charge. And I'm thinking to myself, you're the guy with all the money in the crew. Why are you getting caught with guns and taking time? But to me, it just seems like another sort of a rite of passage in the hip hop industry that jail is okay. jail is not only okay but it's also a it's it's a status symbol
1: it's a requisite as well for the right, for, right. The, for the authenticity listen so i i like i like how i like how we're going here because i'm adding certain things that i think people need to know that complements what you're talking about so this this mm-hmm. is good right so check it again i i'm a bit of a a historian when it comes to hip hop Mm-hmm. Not because I studied it, but because I lived through it. Like, um, in, in the 1980s, right, around 1985, the murder rate in New York City started climbing. Each following year, it increased. It started at around 1,600, 1,700 murders in 85. And by, like, 91 or 92, it was 2,200 and 48 murders. So once it's hit the 2000 mark, around 89, 88, we're talking about five or six murders every single day for an entire year in one city. But do you know what the rappers weren't talking about then? When New York was its most violent, even more violent than the 20s in prohibition? They weren't talking about killing. They weren't talking about selling drugs. They weren't talking about any of these things, you know. That the eighties is when we had the fat boys, who were like the right. uh, the, the Three Stooges, and and, <laughs> and and like you look and and see you see the paradox here, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When when the streets were the most violent, the rappers were the most docile.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: They. They did because this this story about rap uh, representing the streets. You know, I'm of an age that um, when I was in my twenties, in the eighties, man, uh, we didn't want to be rappers. We they wanted to be us. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. it's they 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 took the swag with the jewelry and all of that from us and now it's it's almost like a 180 it's almost like you can't even have any kind of street affiliation if there's no kind of uh entertainment industry ties there and the reason why is because i mean and it's not a boast but i think in the 80s the dudes in the street were making more money than the rappers but nowadays oh, yeah, that's yeah. but nowadays that's no longer true so you know the man with the bag, you know what i mean? like mm-hmm. yo, he he's the one. so and that's why you got all these so-called street guys who like to hang around rappers and demonstrate their usefulness and value and and they're basically auditioning for money, you know what i mean? and again, if that's what you want to do, man, i'm not knocking people for not for for not doing what i i did. maybe they don't have the same skill set as me the same mm-hmm. the same networks you know what i mean but let's call it what it is though there's a lot of people who are, um they're cloud chasing on both ends as you stated earlier the yeah. artists they want they want the validation from the street guys and the street guys they want access to a lifestyle that their lives cannot provide will never provide because yeah. they're not really touching any money and and also I just want to add this on with the gangs thing right mm-hmm. to me being a gangster and being a gang member are not the same things you know True, I, I yeah. think when people talk about being a gang member I see I remember when they had gangs in New York in the 70s and stuff like that but as soon as, as soon as young people started making money gangs were no longer popular. They became criminal organizations and the violence was used to protect the money. It wasn't right. because I'm repping this hood or this color or this whatever. You know what I mean? It was all money motivated and not not neighborhood motivated. It was about money and your affiliations, your alliances with, with people you made money with. You know, I always saw gang membership as something. That, that was juvenile. Cause you know, as we young boys and we coming into manhood through gangs and you know, fights and gang fights and all that we demonstrate our camaraderie, our loyalty, our bravery, our honor, all of these things. But by the time you're 35, man you don't have to do that shit no more. So <laughs> yeah, for why, real. why are you still, in, why are you in for a real. gang? You know what I mean? Like It's usually the best of the best from the gang get recruited to be in the gangster organizations. That's how it used to be. But now I see guys that's like 50 years old, they still in, in street gangs. And it's a, it's a bit perplexing to me because I always looked at that like it it was the realm of the, of the kids. So a lot of these dudes, and Nas had a song where he talked about people being in their second childhood.
2: You yeah, know, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, or Jay-Z had a song called Forever Young. You know, um, to me, what hip-hop has done is it has extended adolescence. Because when I was a young man, you'd become a rapper in your teen years. And you may put out one album a year for like five years, and then you'd be no longer relevant by 22, 23, Mm -hmm. because you lost touch with the young people who were now coming into the music. It's not that you lost your skills or anything. You know, about 26 years old, nobody was listening to rap in the eighties. They were listening to quiet storm and all that. But now it's like, you can't tell the difference between a 40 year old and a 25 year old. They're dressing the same. They're listening to the same music. They're all doing the same things and they'll be in the same club. You know, because adolescence has been extended into middle age now.
0: Oh, that, that goes across the board. If in my no, opinion, man. Yeah. you no, know, adolescence yeah. has
1: been extended into middle age, mm-hmm. and people don't realize. It. I remember when LL Cool J was beefing with MC Hammer, and Hammer was 27, and LL referred to him as an old gym teacher. He said, An old gym teacher ain't supposed <laughs> to rap. And he was 27. Nowadays, right. if you're 27 and you're just getting started as a rapper at 27. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and and again, man, rap has taken on so many different personas over the decades because it originally started as kids making music for kids, man. That's really what it was. It mm-hmm. was a kid it was a kid thing. And what a lot of people have done is they've waited for adulthood to become the cool kids they never were. <laughs> they, they, they don't. They don't ever. No, wanna, yeah, for real. They, I mean, they yeah, don't. They don't want to ever stop being kids. Mm-hmm. And this is this is in the gang world, in the music world, in oh. all of it. You know what it, I mean?
0: It, it's a, to me. It's across. It's across the board. And I say this all the time to people. Yeah. I say, I remember when I was a kid, the adults were the adults. Like they didn't act like you. They didn't think. They didn't do the things that you did. Yes. They were still adults. Your coaches, your teachers, your parents—they were all adults. Like they were grown ups We don't approach them nowadays. Everything is. You got. 30, 40 year olds, and they still want to be partying, hanging out with the youngsters and acting and, and still being in style and all these different things. And it's kind of like, it, 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 gets corny, but that's, that's kind of how the culture has been. And we're, we're kind of breeding this extended, like you said, an extended adolescence to where yep. at 20, you're now 20 is the new teens. You know, you're still trying to figure out your life, you know, to nobody, nobody has, has, has on their life path until you're like 40, which is, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, when, my, my mom had you know when she was before she was twenty five she had three kids and she was raising them and she was a mother. you know what I mean and and married, but you know what I'm saying? it's like you you were already you were an adult, you were doing adult things now the average twenty five year old is still complaining that they don't have to pay rent
1: Look, so <laughs> you, you know and and not not to beat up on them because a lot of things have changed, you know mm-hmm. um, the cost of living. Oh yeah the economy yeah. and all that so a lot of it is 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 self-induced but some of it is beyond their control but to, to just to dovetail on what you were saying just now when when I'm 58 right now mm-hmm. when we were 20 18 19 we were actually in a rush to become adults and mm-hmm. now people are postponing adulthood and mm-hmm. I, I think I know why they're postponing adulthood, because it's hard to be an adult. And they know they they're not gonna measure up, man. It's just easier to be this this, you know, this this long in the tooth, this teenager with yeah. all the gray hair and a baseball cap cocked <laughs> to the side. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Look, it, I think it's, it's, it's a form of escapism, you know. Um, and, and, and that's that. But another thing, man, Um, the thread that I, I made about hip hop, mm-hmm. I identified, you know, 300 Entertainment and the fact that Jimmy Ivy profited the most off of the East Coast, West Coast beef where black men were willing to harm each other, kill each other. make this man money i mean suge ain't got no money he's in jail jimmy got all the money
0: right yeah
1: jimmy was still partners with pop mother after suge was out the picture you understand what i'm saying right look it's it's like it's it's the way we get played man and we're so we're so hard and and tough on each other unnecessarily And, and then we all just end up with nothing and in reflection, we still fail to see the part that we contributed in all of that. But anyway, yeah, I talked about uh, Jimmy Iovine and the East Coast, West Coast, and all that. But there's one part about of the um the thread that I, I, I definitely need to highlight. Mm-hmm. And if you go to my School TV Network or, or, or on Twitter, you'll see the thread. So one part of it spoke about a record company name um empire
0: yeah yeah
1: and empire is a distribution company i think they might be based somewhere in northern cal california and the guy's name is gazi something uh, i forgot his last name but he's middle eastern he looks like well at least seven artists connected to to empire have been murdered from xxx tentation King Dolph, Draco the Ruler, King Vaughn. Yeah, it, they yeah. it's a, a bunch of them, man. It's mm-hmm. it's probably more than more than eight, nine, which is which is bizarre. And I'm not saying this man killed these people because mm-hmm. they've arrested people for him and, and, and so on and so forth. But what a coincidence that this one guy, all these people are signing these deals with him and ending up being murdered, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's a a, a young lady. Her name was Raven Jackson. She reposted that particular part of the threat. And the next day she committed suicide. Now, the thing is, right?
2: It, yeah. People
1: would say, what's the connection there? Turns out that her boyfriend is a rapper named 600 Breezy who is signed to Empire. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, why would she retweet that? And her boyfriend of two years is signed to Empire. And then the very next day, she commits suicide. He has posted the suicide note or text message. And someone claiming to be her cousin has come out to say that it's fraudulent. And that's not it because she spoke to the mom and so on. It's a whole commotion there, right? And what I want to say to people is this a lot of the a lot of the new the new crop of people, the, the millennials and so on and so forth, I'm not a Bible thumper. I cuss like a motherfucker and all that. And if you pull up on me, I might still crack your head, right? <laughs> but but I absolutely believe in a higher power. And I think that higher power has been responsible for me being able to navigate some of the challenges I've navigated in life. Why is that important? Because I think a lot of the younger people, the fact that they don't believe in anything, it opens them up spiritually to be subjected to certain things. there's, There's things that's going on in the world that you, it just can't be seen, but it doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's no coincidence that all of these people were murdered on that label. I believe that the young lady, when she read my post, it resonated with her because she's been with 600 Breezy for two years. Mm -hmm. And it must have, based on things she's seen or whatever or something triggered her. And it wasn't what I wrote because what I wrote is it's common. It's you know, it's there, but it was what she knew. Mm-hmm. It was what she knew. That's my thought about it. Your boyfriend is signed the empire. You retweet a tweet that's that's implicated empire and dark dealings. If you look at the owner of empire, he looks like he has no soul in his eyes, man. Um, and I'm not trying to be spooky or anything, I, no. I understand certain things, mm-hmm. and so I'm only going to go so far, and, and I, I just I just wanted to share that with people. When you see these people, because they have no spiritual foundation, they have no spiritual protection and they're just like, they're just like sheep in the wilderness and, and and the beasts prey on them. And they they want these diamonds and all these material things. I saw today somebody in LA just got um, killed trying to rob a rapper allegedly yesterday. I forgot the guy's name, the, the rapper, he's from Texas or whatever oh yeah him. i
0: think i've seen something like that yeah I forget yeah, what it, uh, was, but...
1: it, it, it looked it looked kind of fishy to me because the guy's laying on his back with his gun next to his head <laughs> i'm just like it looked like the police killed him and put the gun next to him but the guy he was robbing i think uh supposedly <laughs> killed him i, I don't know <laughs> you know to just from the fall the way he did and the gun be right there by his hand i'm just like oh okay this is some Hollywood stuff. But we are in L.A. with this incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot going on. Um, there was a, a guy, a jeweler named Duke the Jeweler, who mm-hmm. went down to Texas just, just a couple days ago to a Boosie concert. He was gambling on 100000 in a dice game. Supposedly had on a million dollars in jewelry. As he was leaving, going to his car, he gets robbed and killed yo, man, this ain't nobody's culture. This is something else. And the consumerism Mm -hmm. and material worship is driving it. And I'm not going to claim consumerism and and material worship as any culture of mine. I think a culture is something designed to help you survive, not not to implode.
0: I I think it's a death culture, and when I see, you know, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's like recently when these rappers or or rappers friends of rappers have gotten killed, they all put the little medallion, they put the picture of them in the in the medallion, right, and they wear the gold chain with the medallion, and it, I don't know, man, this is just this is just how I've seen it because I see how like. When gang members get killed, when rappers get killed, and just the whole... It it becomes ceremonial. The whole... Everything about it. Everything, you know... Ritualistic. You know what I'm saying? When when Nipsey Hussle died, they said they put... That he had...
1: Murals all over the world.
0: Well, there was murals all over. They said they put $60,000 in his casket. They paraded him around with... They had 60 Rolls Royces all throughout L.A., they, I mean, it, it just and it just becomes now people wear his T-shirts and it just becomes like it's almost as if um, these funerals become a big party and they become more of a of, of a of a an attraction than a time to mourn the fact that somebody died. And to me, that's why I say there's an infatuation with death. In this culture, whether you want to call it hip hop culture, you you want to call it gang culture. I just see that we we are we are like in you in getting into like how you talked about the spiritual things, man, we are vibrating spiritually on on the wrong side. Definitely. Of, uh, and, definitely. I mean, it just that's just how I see it. I mean most
1: definitely, bro. And
0: and then like, and I think you talked about it in in that in the episode of the clip I played with the drill rappers and they're smoking their smoking their ops. Smoking
1: Art. on Tuca. They
0: you see what I'm saying?
1: They the boy 15 waiting on the bus stop. Like, they, you, you would think they're killing real threats to the community or something. Like, JoJo was riding a bicycle and they made a song about killing him while he was on his bike. I mean, like, you can't call this black culture, man. And again, Jimmy Iving, he popularized drill rap, which came out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's their branch, you know. It did circle back to New York with Bobby Schmurda, that got them all arrested. But he signed <laughs> Chief Keith, mm-hmm. and now everybody wants that kind of money. See, we, we've become whores, man, in the worst way. Or maybe for all I know, and when I say we, I'm generalizing because the damn show don't apply to me or you. But right, and, right. and, 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 and you know, maybe maybe we were always whores. I don't know. Maybe that's how we got in this situation. You know what I mean? Like, yo, man, you, you got to say no to something. All money ain't good money. You can't be willing to take any money, bro. Money is crucial. It is a vital tool in this world. And we need it, man. But you should never compromise your integrity and honor for it. And and And, and that's just That's just how I see it. Mm. And you know, in in hindsight, I want to say this. There are things that I've done in the past for money that I did not think I was compromising my integrity and honor at the time. But in hindsight, I feel like I was. But because I feel like that now, I would never do those things again. You see, because when you know better, you must do better.
2: Right, right, Right. And
1: as you mature and you evolve as a human being, your standards should always get higher and higher, which is why perpetual uh, adolescence is dangerous because mm-hmm. you got 50-year-old people, 45-year-old people with the, with the moral uh, compass of a 20-year-old and and that's bad, man. Well, I
0: don't, I don't think I was, I was talking to, to somebody the other day and um we were talking about, you know, my time in in going to jail, and and I said I was going to say um, because I didn't I, I went to jail because I didn't stand on my convictions and I had to bring it back because I said no, I went to jail because I didn't have convictions. There was no I didn't I, there was nothing that I believed in in a moral or principled way that would keep me from going down that path. It was. It, it just didn't exist. It doesn't mean I was it wasn't given to me. I wasn't instilled in me by my parents, but I didn't internalize those things. I was more gravitating toward the people that didn't have convictions and thought that that was the way to be accepted. That was the way to be, um, you know, like like I said, we, we were entranced with that culture of j- do whatever, do as thou wilt. And the <laughs> more you did as you wilt, the more points you got, and I, and, you know, we see that now. And I kind of want to segue into into this real quick because you spoke on it heavily, and I, and I, and I think it's connected because hip hop is so influential. And now we see the 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 whole LGBT movement, and I believe that hip hop has been in has been influential in that because it's there where people have accepted things. They have accepted, and I think it started. And this is just my opinion. It, it started with the allowing the, the women, the uh, young MA, the Queen Latifahs, that we were okay with lesbians. And now it's kind of transformed. But I want to play this clip that you, that you said and then we can kind of get into it real quick if mm-hmm. that's okay.
1: Of course. To, uh, to ignore the fact that the LGBT movement in of itself is some social engineering experiment or program It's just, you know, to ignore that is to ignore the reality that these children are deliberately being placed in these environments, either because someone wants to see what happens, conduct a study, or they already know the answer. You see, I I, I consider it soft eugenic
0: That, I mean, eugenics. That's a, that's that's, a, that's an interesting word to use, but especially with there's so much talk nowadays about grooming, and then we're talking about hip hop, and I just see, and there's always that that you know that rumor that goes around in hip hop circles that there's a gay mafia involved with the hip hop community, and we talked about wearing dresses and little Nas X and Young Thug and all that stuff. I don't I don't see these things as being not connected. I, I think that they are part or one in the same. I don't think you could talk about one without the other. That's in my opinion.
1: Hip-hop um, hip, hip hop is part of the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are people who like to say the entertainment business is run by Jews. Right? Mm-hmm. I I will say that you cannot be homophobic and be in the entertainment business. That's what I would say.
2: Right. What
1: happened to Terry Crews is not uncommon. When Adam Vennett grabbed Terry Crews crotch as he was standing next to his wife. I wanna believe that wasn't the first time Adam Vennett did that. Mm-hmm. I think the only problem Terry Crews had was that his wife was standing right there. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's just sad, man. Look, man, get your CDL, man. Maintain your dignity. You ain't gotta put up with all of this because you don't wanna work and you just wanna be in the bright lights like a diva and subject yourself to all these sort of things. You know, um, there's some well-known stories about about Diddy and how he got it his deal with Arista and Clive Davis and so on and so forth. And again, man, these guys, they. And
0: Clive Davis is, a, is he's. Open homosexual, right?
1: Yes, he is. He is. Yeah, and, and he's Jewish. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But you know, there's a, there's a lot of overlap going on there. But we're not gonna get into that. You know what I mean? But you know, like,
0: <laughs> but you can see. I mean, you could people could read between the lines.
1: Yeah, and you know, so so it's like, man, they there's some people who will do anything for money, mm-hmm. and and that's on them. You know, um. I just don't want them calling it my culture. That's their personal preference, their personal desperation or whatever. As far as the eugenics part of it, I believe that homosexuality, now I believe, I know for a fact that it is a non-reproductive lifestyle.
0: That's I, And that's just facts. That's, that's just, just
1: facts. Now, right. people like Mark Lamont Hill, I mean... <laughs> they will say that that men can have can get pregnant. I don't know. Maybe he's tried, maybe he's had some success. <laughs> I, I I don't know. You know, and then he's you have peed on people. a few
0: sticks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then you got Corey Bush. She's a mom. She's a woman out of St. Louis. She she's in Congress, or at least she was. I haven't heard her name. She hasn't put a foot in her mouth lately. So she 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 might still be there, but just not, you know, fumbling and bumbling as usual. But she Mm -hmm. refers to mothers as birthing people. Like, yo, these are black people, man. You didn't grow up believing this nonsense. But this is what they conform to, to keep those jobs where they don't really do anything.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: But they do do something, excuse me. They provide cover for degeneracy and depravity. Yeah, where it yeah, can yeah. be presented as black culture. When you saw the Democratic uh, Convention in 2020, it opened with Billy Porter prancing <laughs> around with some kind of chiffon outfit on. Now, this is for the President of the United States. I never even heard of Billy Porter until till 2020. I
0: didn't even know what he did.
1: I, I didn't know. know if he was a
0: singer, actor. I didn't know what he did.
1: I on, I just know he showed
0: up on a red carpet with a dress.
1: That's, that's it. it, yo, man. And that's all you have to do to get a job. Look, yeah. look at, look at uh, Biden's White House. Um, oh, man, was what, what was it, her press secretary? I forgot her name. Her first day on the job, she tells she tells us she's an immigrant and she's a lesbian. Okay, but but can you do the can you do the goddamn job? Because that's what's important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like
0: she's married to a white woman.
1: Uh, they all are, though. You know, <laughs> so whether it be You're Lori right. Lightfoot in, in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, Stacey Abrams down there in Georgia, she got a, a white girlfriend too. I mean, look, man, people got to wonder, right? All of these, all of these black LGBTQ people are being placed in key positions, right? Why? And why are they keeping it? a secret, most of them. Because if they was to come out and and live their truth, as people say, it would become evident that there is discrimination, but it's not against gays. It's against straight people. We don't have a shot at those positions. And the reason why is because the power structure that's above those black people is very much in alignment with that lifestyle. This is why the artists are wearing mm-hmm. dresses, and so they're not—they're not like enjoying women and telling the black men to put on dresses. They want you to be like them. You understand? This is what
0: I'm, this, this is what I'm saying, man. I mean, I, I look at these guys, and I'm like, and, and and I can't. So, like Dwayne Wade, you didn't. This is this is a guy who's from Chicago. He was a basketball player, grew up in locker rooms, high school, AAU, college. You can't tell me. That that your mother, your aunties, your uncles, everybody is OK with you turning your you allowing your son to become a woman. Like you can't tell me that that, that nobody, none of your teammates ain't look at you and being like, what are you talking about, man? Like what? what this well, is this is some this is some weird stuff. And and then you see how prominent they become because nobody. Listen, I've I've been a sports fan for a long time. Dwayne Wade is a great basketball player. I, i'll give him that but Super. culturally he's no he was no a cultural icon or he was nobody that had a voice in anything other than basketball until he got with gabrielle union and until he started parading his son around as being a as being a female I, that's
1: know, there's, there's some kind of faustian deal going on here which exactly. is why i hop on the spirituality thing because what's going on is dark you know people who believe in wickedness or Satan or demonology or whatever you want to call it, if they can't get you to believe in what, what they believe in, the next best thing is to have you believe that there's no God, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which is like a consolation for them. So anyway, but this, this Dwayne Wade thing, what happens is these, these people, they're constantly looking for black representatives To popularize their truth, the reality that they live, Mm -hmm. and because the black people are like you know, whether it be Billy Porter or Dwayne Wade and his son, or whomever, they they black people. What we do is we make it cool. We make everything cool. Shit, we'll make street gangs cool. We'll make ignorance cool. We'll make twerking cool. We'll make LGBT cool. And then it opens the door for everybody to come out and be like, yeah, I'm with it too. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, because, but also, it goes back to when I say if you reward a thing, you perpetuate it. Right. So if you're hanging this over people's head and you're showing them this is the way to get paid, you know, what's understood need not be discussed. People are going to fall in line and total line, bro. Because mm-hmm. this is what this is how they're gonna get the big house, and so on and so forth. I, there's a guy that I know. Um, he, I, I know him from college. I won't say his name because he's very, very active in the business. He worked with Oprah. Uh, for a long time, Oprah and Gayle, and um, he was out there in LA and... He, he didn't tell me this because he's close to my business partner
2: mm-hmm. they
1: were roommates in college he told my my business partner he was like man these white boys out here trying to knock your teeth out with their dicks and this is what he said right and 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 when I when I heard this I was like man this somebody trying to knock his teeth out what the hell's going on <laughs> how, how does he know this but that's the entertainment business which is why I'm not Yo man, I'm not in line to join that. I make yeah. I make I've made a documentary, I've produced on television. American Gangster, I did, I did my thing. Uh, I produced my own film. I'm working on a boxing documentary now, but I don't give a damn about that business, those people, none of that shit, man. I, I don't I don't care. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Whatever I can get uh uh of my own efforts and ambitions. If at the end of the day, I end up just being a $100,000 dude, I'm good with that. If I'm a $1 million dude, I'm good with that. 10000000 million, I'm good with that. Whatever it is, man. Like, whatever it is at the end of the day, if I gave it my best and that's what it was, then that's what it is, man. Mm -hmm. You got to run your own race. The problem with people is they're too busy watching everybody else. And I'm in a competition with no one except yeah. myself. I just try to uh, beat my my last best effort with everything. Mm-hmm. And that's it, man. I, I'm not getting any medals or anything for anything that I do. I just try to be the best person that I can be each and every day, man. And try to be on the side of righteousness as best as I can, as best as I know how, man. Because it's a lot of, it's a lot of funny stuff going on out here. And all that glitters is not gold. That Mm -hmm. Hollywood thing is is some real weird stuff. Um, And uh, I I just wish as a people we weren't concentrated so heavily in fields like entertainment that are um, dominated and controlled by some of the most perverse deviant people you could ever want to meet. Because we wouldn't have any any other way of coming to contact with them. And, 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 and before I lose this thought, there's a playwright named Jeremy O. Harris. Now he's a black playwright and he's LGBTQ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know which one of the letters he is. I lose track, but <laughs> he, um, he, he did slave play in slave play. That's the other thing. They got this fetish about slaves. If you notice, they talk about slavery all the time and buck breaking, and it's always some sexual. They rape the women. They always focus on the sexual part yeah, of right, slavery. Right. You would think that slavery was just fuck fest from sunrise <laughs> to sunset. You know what I mean? But you would think that it was the porn industry when you hear some of these people talk about slavery. Not saying that those things didn't happen, but Man, you would think that's all that happened. But, but anyway, Jeremy Harris in Slave Play, what happened? The black men were being sodomized and it's, they catered to the fantasies of the people who pay them. Man. He, has another, he has another play called Daddy, and you can look it up, people watching. And of course, what is the play about? It's about a a young black gay guy and he hangs out in the museums and Mm -hmm. he meets a a, a rich white paramour and that's his daddy. And when you think about it, they're all looking for a fucking daddy. All of them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened in their life, but I ain't looking for a daddy. Never been. (laughs) You know You're looking, look. I can't relate oh. to none of that. You know what no, I mean? Uh-uh. Like, yo, and and when, when you when you see it, it's always it's the economics of it. Yeah. Don Don Lemon, he got a white husband. Yeah. The black person in those LGBTQ relationships, the man is always gonna be the submissive. And you can't tell me that economics didn't play a role in the lifestyle that they chose. You know, it's Mm -hmm. tough out here, man. It's it's tough for everybody. When I I first got into mental health, one of the things I I learned in 2010, because that's another one of the businesses I'm involved in, you know, 83% of all suicides in 2010 were white males, right? Mm -hmm. 80% of all suicides. So what that tells me is when white men don't get the life that they think they deserve or should have, they say "fuck it, I'm out." Right? Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of these black men don't get the life that they think they should have or they want. Then they fly to Ed Buck's house. You know what I mean? <laughs> I... <laughs> Listen, I'm not feeling sorry for any of them, man. You got to, you got to man up. You got to no. man up.
0: Yeah. You and try, I think what you just said. Yeah, what you, you... Goddamn But that's see, I think I think that's the that's the issue. The the issue is that we don't have uh there there is nobody. See, and you and I was talking about this earlier when it talked when we talked about mental health, we were saying I was telling you, you know, the problem is is our culture, and I think we're living in a matriarchal society now, that the that the male um the patriarch has been so limited that women have taken control. Of every everything and anything and I think this is where you get the LGBT stuff from that when somebody who doesn't understand something instead of trying to overcome it then they have a they have an excuse for you and that's women's nature is to nurture and it's to protect and it's to say it's okay hey if they were being mean to you that it's because they're bad instead of the having a father there to say no you need to go out there and you need you need to go handle that you need to go deal with it. You need to confront your issues. We don't have that anymore. Society has become so nurturing to the point where people that I think that are really, really at the top of the, at the top of the game, understand how to manipulate this. And they're oh, using definitely. that against us because no, I don't definitely. believe that the, the real players in the world believe in this stuff. I think that they, they don't No, I think they, they, they want us to believe in it. And that's the only thing that matters.
1: Man, you're on point. you calling good money right there, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I, yo, man, my gut tells me that the people who really run things, they are patriarchal and, and everything, but they will, you know, they will promote certain things to the rest of us to keep us in chaos, to keep us from not being strong, to mm-hmm. ever pose a threat to their authority and their control. You know, it's, it's, um, it's all about self-preservation, man. Yeah. And and if you buy into the lies and, and you get caught up in it, it's just like, you just, you, you just got caught out there. You know, man has no natural predator, but man himself. Facts. Yeah. So we, we are the top of the food chain mm-hmm. and we prey on each other, you know, um, I've, I feel like 10% of the people do 90% of the, the thinking. No, the 10% do the thinking for the other 90%. And when yeah. I say do the thinking, I'm talking about the planning, the, the real governing, the providing purpose, and the structure that the 90% need to be relevant in. It's really conceptualized by the 10%. And the 10% of the 10%, those are the 1%. And they're like the super elite. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, But most of the times, right? We saw this dr- during COVID. They said non-essential employees didn't have to come to work. And I believe just my conspiratorial mind with my tinfoil hat I believe the lockdown was a test run for yeah, something I do. else yeah, to I do come. Too. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you didn't want to be a non-essential employee. That's all I know. You
2: mm-hmm.
1: know, and, and and what's what's going on is the population expansion and the technological advances are creating a great divide. In the in the last hundred and something years, manpower was important. but then came the industrial revolutionary uh, revolution, which kind of like minimized it. you know, you had assembly lines and so on and so forth. But as the population keeps growing and the technol- and the technology keeps advancing, there's no need for manpower. And therein lies the need for various social engineering, Vehicles,
2: mm-hmm. be
1: it pop culture, i.e., rap or whatever else they got going on, that entices and seduces everyone to partake in a non-reproductive lifestyle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's they don't really, and when I say they, I'm talking about the powers that be. That's the they. Yeah, you know they don't really need a bunch of people no more and it's evident that there's efforts underway to curtail the population and once you see the world through that lens why would you trust anything that these people offer you
0: exactly Uh,
1: that's that's what I'm uh, saying you can't you cannot because you're more or less uh, uh, a burden There's a quote from uh, Prince Philip who is the husband of Queen Elizabeth. It came from the 1980s. He said that if he died, when he died, if he could come back as anything, he wanted to come back as a virus to kill people. I mean, when people think of you like this, would you believe when they say they're offering you Some some medical treatment to save your life, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't trust a, I wouldn't trust a glass of water from them, you know. And that that's just me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But my my upbringing has had me kind of suspicious anyway. You know, so to me, you can't be trusted until you prove to me that you can be you know that's, that's just yeah that's but that's, that's the I'm whole thing at. man
0: i mean that's that's was the whole thing like you said about about covid and all that all this stuff is that you know the same people and this is what, kill, what killed would kill me the same people that would holler systemic racism or institutional issues are the same people who are telling you to obey the system because the system said we need to stay inside we need to you know uh, lock shut your business down all these different things and i kept saying to people you keep telling me about a system who is this system the system doesn't just there isn't just an uh, it's a tan, there, it's tangible it has to be it's not this is there are people doing it they are they are individual people and i think that it's more Im- profitable to have an idea of systemic issues than to actually point out the system itself and we saw that when and i don't want to say it cuz i know we're on youtube but i but when we saw the You know what? What they mandated afterwards that came from from, and I would say, well, I'm not going to take that because I believe, and this would be my my retort. I believe in systemic systemic racism, and they would say, well, that's not well. who is the system then? Because you keep telling me that there's a system in place to hold people back, but yet you never name who that system is. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Stacey Abrams. It's not Mark Zuckerberg. It's not Jeff Bezos. It's not Dr. Fauci. Who is it?
1: Look, the World Economic Forum. Yeah, there you go. It's headed by Klaus Schwab. Mm hmm. And for the people watching, I want you to look up Uval, Yuval, Y U V A L, NOAH, N O A H, Harari, H A R, I R I. He's a he's he's Israeli. Um he's he's gay, he has a husband, I think. But the things that he talks about transhumanism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This is the World Economic Forum. These are the type of people, and I don't even believe that they're calling the shots. I think they're the um the agencies assigned to implement the changes or or direct society in the world and the places that they go. But when you hear Yuval Harari talk about human beings as useless eaters, and talking about all they're gonna be good for is this virtual world, the metaverse. They created the metaverse for people who are gonna be able to be relevant in the real world.
2: Yeah, right. So
1: you will have the metaverse. So you can own a restaurant in the metaverse. And, and he said Japan was actually in front of the rest of the world because they have simulated sex. And I, I don't know anything about this uh, virtual thing. I barely know how to operate my cell phone, so I, I'm I'm glad that I'm lagging behind in those things. You know what I mean? Like no, yeah. But but there's a plan for for humans, and I think that the, the transgenderism is just a segue to what's called transhumanism, and you see Elon Musk talking about putting a chip mm-hmm. in your brain to make you yeah, smarter only, and all that. Yeah. They're slowly conditioning you to accept these things where you're going to be part, part technology and part human. And, you know, I don't know where we're going in the future,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: it doesn't look like it's going to be anything close to what I've been accustomed to all my life. You know, no, and it's it's kind of scary because when they start putting chips in your head and some suspect there's already nano chips in some people's bodies, there's no telling how that could influence your thinking, mm-hmm. your behavior, your, you know, your reproductive uh, capabilities and, and what have you, man. There's a lot going on. And we ended up to our temples at this point.
0: Yeah, I think when they, they, I mean, they already, they know us because we gave them all our information through these social media. We, we, uh, the the data collecting was for a reason. Yes, and I, it's, and I think that, um, you know, to me, it's going to take one, right? So when one starts saying, "I'm going to be able to," put a chip in me and it's going to give me um, I can download an encyclopedia. Now that gives me an advantage and the next person has to, well, then I have to do that in order for me to compete. And that's only going to be allowable towards the people that have the means to be able to do that. And so we're going to see See, there's there's already a wealth divide. And there's already an intellectual divide. There is, there are these, there are people at the top that are intellectually, I, I don't want to say that they were born superior, but they have a superior advantage over people.
1: In some respects.
0: In some respects.
1: We're, we're all superior in some areas, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in equality. No. no. I, I, I believe in authoritative hierarchy, you know? So there's mm-hmm. going to be things that you do better than me and there's going to be things that I do better than you. I, I think um, this, this notion of equality, we've been sold a bill of goods and it, it, it's dangerous because you have people who are incapable of doing certain things, occupying spaces
2: mm-hmm.
1: to the detriment of everybody. since since they are in those spaces, be that a political office or whatever, man. Like, you know, it's this thing that let the best man, best woman win. And I I speak in the masculine because I am a man, but I I, I do acknowledge that there's women who are smarter than men and Mm. some women who are better capable for a job than men. So, when, when I say man man, think of it like the scriptures, God created man <laughs> male and female right you know? right When I say man, think of it like that you know but let the best man win man. Let the best man occupy that space not because it's a competition but for the greater good of all. It doesn't help the rest of us if we don't put our yeah. best people in the best position available. For the greater good of everyone. It just it just doesn't benefit anybody.
0: Man, I you know, I don't I don't think that's that you can say that any better. I mean, because that's really what it, it comes down to, is that we have to we have to get back to that and understanding, like I said earlier, these people at the top, they understand. And so when you start making these policies or you start saying things like, um, you know, don't don't discipline the black and brown kids for showing up late to class or or you know getting into fights or being disrespectful. I, I think you're you're putting them at a great disadvantage because they know that there are certain principles that equate to, equate to success. Discipline is one of them. Um, you know, being ha- being able to conduct yourself in an appropriate manner is one of them and they save it for themselves. well, at the same time, they feed you that you don't have to be, disciplined you don't have you you don't have to be ambitious you don't have to be driven because you know you have suffered some type of inequality therefore you can lay back and relax and that's been the whole you know you know that's that's the agenda you know when we talk about systemic things i think that that's that's what we're talking about is this notion that certain people because they've been quote unquote oppressed that they don't have to work hard they don't have to Exhibit these principles that equate to success, and then the other people come and they taste the success for them.
1: I think it was Plato who said we we cultivate the things we celebrate. So Mm. we, we gotta look at what we what we're celebrating because that's what we're gonna cultivate. It's the same thing as me saying reward a thing you perpetuated. You understand what I'm saying? Like same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing, man. Like, we gotta be careful of what we celebrate Mm -hmm. we really where where is it taking us and if we make if we make money the end all be all where does that leave us does nothing matter but how much money you have like uh i mean that that's that that's a slippery slope right there you know do you do you want your sons and daughters to grow up to be on OnlyFans. Right now there's somebody watching that's on OnlyFans and they're like, what's wrong with OnlyFans? You know what,
0: <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> Listen, I
1: mean... <laughs> if, if you like it, I love it. You know what I mean? But I yeah, don't want my real. son or daughter to have to be on OnlyFans doing anything because I want them to be able to do something else to become successful and, and and stable you know i just i've you know i've been around long enough that i i shouldn't i shouldn't be this way but i, I don't like to see black people relying so heavily on their entertainment value i i'm to the point man like I, I get kind of upset when I see the kids beating on the little white buckets out in the street, with the hat up, with the bucket out for money and all that. I be like, "Come <laughs> on, man!" Like every city I go to, uh, everywhere I go, man, because I I, I want to feel like there's more to us than that. That we didn't just come into this world to entertain people. You know what I mean? Mm. And and man it's hard convincing myself that that's not the case. Because I'm telling you, wherever I go, man, Times Square, anywhere, there's always some young people dancing and beating on buckets and I don't TikTok. know, right. yeah. doing whatever, man. Yeah, it's just I, we, we got brains. We got a brain, man. We could use it. There's nothing wrong with entertainment, by the way. But you don't want to limit yourself to that yeah. being the only thing that you can do. And the only thing expected and accepted from you. Now we don't want to put ourselves in that corner. You know, it's it's like it's like it's it's cool that Jay-Z is is Jay-Z and so on and so forth, but it's only gonna be one Jay-Z at a time. There's 40 million black people, all right? So <laughs> while he's holding that spot. Everybody else needs to come up with another plan or something. You dig <laughs> what I'm saying? Like,
0: uh, Yeah, for real.
1: You know, there's only going to be one Jay-Z at a time. Mm. Just one. Just like there's only going to be one Obama at a time. If you look up to him or whatever. I don't, but hey, we shoot for these things with these, these limited number of slots, man. And it's gonna leave a lot of people in the meat grinder of life. And I just wanna I just wanna make people mindful of that. You know, I was talking to you earlier. Another thing that I do is um I'm the executive director of a STEM program mm-hmm. in Detroit. And uh I, I I'm not proficient in STEM, but it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Just analyzing where things are going, I wanted those young black kids to um to have some kind some kind of introduction to STEM because technology, the same technological advances I spoke about earlier, is the future. And I want there to be a world where we're doing more than being social media influencers, right? So we, 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 we're getting the STEM thing. It's two years now we've been doing it. And we're in the schools. And Detroit is like an 80%, it was 86% black city. It's the blackest city, major city in America. Um. But yet the students that are most active in our program, they are the Mexican students in, in Southwest Detroit and the Mexican population may be around, I don't know, less than 10%. Mm -hmm. Yet their representation in the program that we set up and partner with Detroit Public Schools for is more than the black kids, right? I don't have a problem with that. They wanna learn, we're gonna help them. But my point is, There are no political solutions for cultural deficiencies. Mm-hmm. If the culture at home doesn't prioritize or even recognize the opportunity that's at at hand here, because in those in those Mexican homes, they recognize it. Mm-hmm. They they're like man we're gonna we're gonna take care of that because you know shit, it's free and man we need you to be able to be productive
2: mm-hmm.
1: we've given away laptops because we bought laptops so the kids could have them when when schools were closed and we doing virtual we do but we put a lot of work into that I put a lot of my own I get no money from from the uh, program let me say that it is not a grift it is not something that i do because i get a um, I get a check or any kind of income from i get nothing in fact i've spent over 50 60,000 of my own money in the program to help the kids right and to see that these kids their parents they don't even care They want the free laptops, but they don't even want to do the work. They don't want to learn. It's like I was telling you earlier, by Mm -hmm. 2024, 2025, there's going to be a need for over 2 million um, cybersecurity jobs. It's not that I was was even trying to get these kids to go to college. If they want to go to college, I would love to help them. We've helped one kid develop an app that he's going to... um, Put in, in the app stores and all that. These are kids, and we're trying to help them yeah. and, and spark that in them, you know, and give them a resource and somewhere to turn to that they, they don't normally have, but they won't even take advantage of it because what we're trying to do is not a priority at their home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's nothing that I can do to fix that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 we really got to stop with all of this stuff worrying about what happened 400 years ago or 300 years ago. I'm not saying forget about it. You know, history is important, but history is also written by the victors. Yeah. I'm not trying to to learn history. I'm trying to make history. There you go. Yeah. You know, I I don't want to learn it because, like Napoleon said. History is a set of lies agreed upon. None mm-hmm. of us were there, so we never really know if anything that we're, we're reading or whatever is actually true. But what's important is, what's the history you're going to make? What what, what what are you going to do and change? Never mind learning about Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and all that. They did what they were supposed to do, whatever it was, because we wasn't there. You know, Just recently, I learned that Harriet Tubman according to our own words, saved about 70 slaves. Right, you know, I, right. I, I, I thought that uh, underground railroad was like Amtrak, you know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, look, you know, look, and I'm not taking anything away from her. You know, that mm-hmm. was still that was still brave and, and what have you, but a lot of times people get a hold of history and they will embellish it. To use it to advance there you go. their own agenda, not to take anything away from Harriet Tubman. Man, she was a, anybody who was doing anything back in the, those days was brave, right? Because back then, there ain't no court, ain't no appeal in a conviction. <laughs> Your ass hanging from a tree. You understand what mm. I'm saying, like that. But the feminist movement took hold of Harriet's narrative, and I'm sure they've had a lot to do promoting it, uh, maybe enhancing it or whatever, because they wanted to use that to entice black women to to their their thing. And, 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 And before I pass you the mic, it brings to mind Gloria Steinem, who was the face of third wave feminism. She confessed that she was a CIA asset. And she, the CIA even funded a magazine that she had called, I think it was Us Magazine, yeah. And she confessed that she she was a CIA asset. Yeah. So when you're looking at these things, feminism, uh, LGBTQism, Bayard Rustin, who was the organizer of the, the March on Washington, openly mm-hmm. gay black man, also a CIA asset. These are all documented facts. Um, you start to wonder what's really going on with all these subversive elements. And when I say subversive, I mean they are challenging the status quo and creating a destabilization in society. What is the purpose of this? And I think it's to keep us in constant disarray, divide and conquer, controlled opposition, and so on. It doesn't mean that some of the things they say aren't true or aren't, are good but I also believe that truth is the foundation of all things including falsehood
0: yeah no I agree I mean what you're saying is right and I think you're hitting you hitting the nail on the head when you say about the some of these intelligence agencies I I, I don't I don't doubt that they're behind any all of this stuff man. and that we are really in this we're at war. And we, and but most of us haven't known it for a long time. They have, and they've been very proactive into the pushing. Uh, they're taking the fight to us, and we've just been sitting back, being used. We've as been pawns. under siege
1: and don't even realize yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, man. We've been under exactly. siege. We've been bombarded with all kinds of imagery and commercials and movies and all kinds of psychological programming. Then there's the drugs. Uh, oh. the, the, you know. The legalization could, I mean, of we, drugs. Yeah. There's, just, there's just so much that we're being we bombarded all, with. Yes,
0: so much. I mean, there's so much, man. And I think one of the things that I appreciate with you and it is is that we're. It's more than just a YouTube page or a Twitter account. You know what I mean? And I mean, you know, you have you have the programs that you're doing. you actually we're actually doing something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that they like to talk and they like to be influent, quote unquote influencers, but they're really not doing anything. They're really not out there dealing with people. They're really not doing any work. I mean, you have your programs that you got going on with the STEM, and that's and I do the things with the prisoner and the reentry programs and things like that. And that's that's what I'm saying, man. I appreciate people that are actually Doing it, we can we can sit here and talk all day, and we can sound really intellectual. Oh, damn, and,
1: damn day. Yeah, look, you, know, you know what I'm saying?
0: And damn. but at the end of the day, none of it matters if we're not doing any work. And a lot of these people, they don't do any work. And we look, go ahead. I'm,
1: I'm based in, in in I'm from New York, based in Washington D.C., but I'm I'm directing a STEM program in Detroit. And I the first time I ever went to Detroit was 2016. Cause I was out there looking for cheap real estate. You know, you can buy a house in Detroit for a thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> you'll have you'll have to fix it up. You know, but mm-hmm. the city will sell it to you. She had over a hundred thousand abandoned houses. But back to my point is that when I what I saw in Detroit, with it being the blackest city in America, it looked like a, a third world country over there, and I just decided that. That was going to be the front line, and 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 I'm a front line fighter for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's why, I, that's why I took my stand. I had never been there. I, I stopped even thinking about investing in real estate, and end up getting involved in politics because I met I met someone, uh, Coleman Young, the second. His father was the first black mayor, was mayor for twenty years. And I backed Coleman, and he ran for mayor in 2017. Remember, I just got there in 2016, mm-hmm. met Coleman in January of 2017, and was his number one backer when he ran for mayor that summer, right? Then I backed him the next year when he ran for uh, Congress in, in um, the 13th District for John Kanye's seat. And, and I learned some things about politics then. Uh, they ran so many black candidates that Rashida, Rashida Talib. She won in the second poorest district, the 13th district at the time, talking about Palestine, and in a in black in a black city, like you know, and did won. some things, and she won, and she just switched <laughs> districts. Now she's in the 12th district, which has more Arabs and stuff, and you know, but again, we got played, and now Coleman is a uh, city council at large. He fought the third time was a charm. He got elected. Uh, I help make the campaign commercials and so on and so forth. And and now I'm I'm working on senior living housing for him because it's one of the things he told me is important to him that he wanted to do. So I'm I'm constantly trying to do things to help help the community. I don't want to keep saying help black people, but here's the thing, right? Mhm. And it's, it's I, I want to be clear. It's not that I don't want to help other people, but I feel like as a Black man that Black people get so much criticism because everybody's an expert on our dysfunction. And then I, I feel like we have to find a way to solve our own problems. I don't like the image of of this this state that we're in. And it's like we're overwhelmed and we need the government to come fix it. So to me, no different than with the STEM program, the the Mexican kids are the primary uh, beneficiaries of it and I don't have a problem with that. But charity always starts at home. If I do what I'm supposed to do for the people that motivated me to do it, but they don't take advantage of it, and somebody else does. Well, God bless those people too. You know what I mean? And and that's right, just how yeah. it is. I'm I'm trying. I don't like the fact that when we can't solve our own problems, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy that we're so helpful helpless and and incompetent and, and so on and so forth. I kind of take that a little bit personally because I know that's not the case. But what it is, because I interact with a lot of high performing black people and we tend to just go for self. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we don't have that sense of, you know, we gotta we got to do what We gotta see what we could do. We'd be like, man, I'm getting mine. They gotta get theirs. And if that keeps on the way it's going, there won't be many of us left in another 30 years, 30, mm. 40 years. This is a fact. So that, that that's just where I come from with that frame of mind. You know, it's no different than anybody else wanting to help their own people. you, you Nobody can call you a bad yeah. person for that. It is your responsibility because that's what other people are looking at. The reason why I gave up all that money to the foundation is because if I'm asking for money, they're gonna to want to know, well, how much money were you able to raise on your own, and if your own people won't support you, why should we?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So <laughs> there's people that's watching, bro. They'll they'll help, but they ain't gonna do it for you. Yeah. And help means you got to get the ball rolling yourself. So I'm about getting the ball rolling and putting some skin in the game, like they say, you know. And and before before we wrap, I want to say, School TV. Um school TV, the motivation for that was Donald Trump getting kicked off Twitter on January 8th. And it's not that I'm a radical Trump fan or anything, because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right? Politically, I'm an indip- I, I mean, um politically, I'm an independent, socially I'm conservative, because as I get older, I see the value in conservative values. That maybe as a young person I didn't really gravitate to as strongly as I should. Right. But um the, the school TV brand was to launch a site where we can have different uh, different opinions and so on without any censorship. So it's views from the left, right, and center. Uh, It's a news aggregator where you can get your modern, I mean, your breaking news from around the internet, kind of like Drudge Report. But Mm -hmm. we also have a town hall section where um, you can find exclusive content like the stuff Che writes and other writers. I write myself sometimes. I don't have as much time to write, though, but when I write, I write lengthy pieces. Um, There's also video content. There's a paywall, and we're launching an app. Uh, visit the site, and if nothing else, I'd like for you guys to um, to sign up for the free email so you can keep abreast of what's going on with the site and perhaps at some point become a paid subscriber because the, the clips that Che was showing, those are from behind the paywall. Mm-hmm. I, I I only talk behind the paywall. I do my vlogs and I do interviews. I've interviewed uh Roger Stone and before I did this I interviewed Judge Joe Brown he has a show on um, school TV called Rule of Law so Mm -hmm. I get his legal uh, take on all of that and and, and all of this is on my own server so I don't have to worry about censorship because I own the server so this this is what I do, I put in the work I try to help the community and I try to offer alternatives and opportunities to others without imposing my viewpoints on them. I do have my own values. But, you know, like I said, it's what works for you. You got to figure it out. So if you're liberal and you want to write for school TV, man, submit it, I'll publish it. You know, if you're independent or conservative, it's all good, man. I'm not about dictating to anybody. I'm about letting people Mm -hmm. see what works for them. And if it that's works for it them, be, who am yeah. I to tell them not to do it?
0: And that's, I mean, and I would tell, and I'm going to put a link in here to 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 School TV so they can go ahead and uh, check you out right there because there there's a lot of good stuff on there. I read, I read not just my, I mean, I, I'm on there as far as a lot of my work and my writing, but there's a lot of good stuff on there from a lot of different perspectives. And I I'm I'm always the type that I like to I even in social media, I follow more of the people that I disagree with because I feel like I can't that hones my, my, my views because I always want to challenge what it is that I believe, because if I'm not challenging what I believe then I get stuck and I don't, and then I, I get, you know, back into the echo chamber where I'm just repeating talking points and getting stale. I don't like that. I like to challenge it. Why do I believe this? And then keep pushing, pushing forward, man. And, and, so with Schoon TV, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think that's the future. I think we're, I think people are getting hit to the game of this legacy media. And I think they're starting to understand that this is all propaganda and we need more outlets. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, it really, it is, man. It is. It, that's exactly what it is. And that's what we try to do is, is bring more of, of, of everything together because I feel like I don't care. Bring me the lies. Let me be able to sift through them. You know what I mean? And I think that's what, that's a great thing, what you're doing, man. I appreciate you coming on school. Um, uh, anything else you want to drop before we leave but uh it's, I mean it's,
1: it's... I'm good you know I I hope that um the, your your audience found it informative and and you know worth their time that's all
0: yeah but I I I know they did that's what I'm saying we're going to we're going to keep we're going to keep pushing keep putting more content out there man it's still, and and th- this don't stop and I know guys like you and guys like myself like it's, it's, it's a continuous thing, and no matter what they try to do, the powers that be. I always tell people, they you know, because you went through the censorship, I've been through censorship. But you, I mean, unless you come and physically and physically take my voice out, I'm gonna keep saying what I'm saying. Because, like I said, man, tell me where I'm lying. Tell tell me where there's any lies in this. It's really simple, man. But I uh, appreciate it, Scoon. You got we'll it, man. We'll do this again some other time. You know, it, it's always great talking to you. Yeah, um, man
1: anytime bro
0: yeah definitely.
1: anytime you want me on we can do it man
0: all right I told you, yeah man this is what it is but i'm gonna I'm take you out and then uh stick around for a second i'm gonna at you after we get out all but right I pre- everybody uh that was curtis school man i'm sure you guys enjoyed that i know that that was man all these things that we're seeing it 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 all plays a role man it all it is what it is um i think these things are pretty self-evident but I appreciate everybody for coming on here and I appreciate everybody for uh, listening, supporting, whatever you can do. Um, it's, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, this, this, this type of conversation is needed. This type of, um, like comment, share, get this out to as many people as possible. I'm going to be putting little clips, uh, cutting this up a little bit and putting some little clips out there to make it easier because I know everybody's not going to go back and want to re- watch the whole two hours. And if you do, we'll appreciate that too. But um, that's Curtis Goon. I'm going to put links in there so you can guys go check out the, the website. Check him out on Twitter. Like I said, he's always active on Twitter. People... They was happy when when Curtis Schoon gets censored on Twitter because he ain't afraid to tell the truth, and that's how we do it, man. But uh, my name is Che. This is No School Podcast. Thank you once again for joining